Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and all my amazing guests have to offer, please consider supporting the show by subscribing to our Patreon. The link is at the bottom of the descriptions. All donations go to support our ability to continue to bring you fun and informative content. We can never do it without support from the listeners like you. So thank you. I appreciate you all. And without further ado. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast. I am Rashawn Parker, and if you haven't yet, please go watch my television series, Beyond the Check Worker Owner Edition, now streaming on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. you got two seasons, so uh, you can watch them all on Tubi. It's Fox and Free TV, so do that. Anyway, I got a past guest today. He is... Uh, the founder of Master Talk, he coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become the top 1% communicators in the industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. I'm sure he also likes to eat, and I'm sure he's got some fun stories to tell us. Ladies and gentlemen, Brendan Kumara Asami. You got it. Good to see you, Rashad. Ah. Thanks for having me, man. Nailed it. <laughs> Thanks for being here, buddy. For sure, man. Where, it's good to be on. Uh, where, where are you at right now? I'm in Montreal. How about yourself? Ah, you're in Montreal. Very nice. Uh, I'm in Savannah, Georgia. Ah, nice. So, it's hot here. I'm guessing it's nice and temperate there right now. Yeah, Montreal has good weather like four months out of the year, so this is one of those four months, so we're super excited. <laughs> the rest of them are just cold. Yeah, the rest is just cold. Touche, touche. <laughs> so, uh, tell tell me a little about about yourself. How do you get into coaching and helping the one percent become better talkers? Yeah, for sure, man. So it all started in college and university. I went to business school, and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were like playing rugby or soccer. Or basketball, some of the sport you probably wouldn't see me playing, Rashawn. I was doing <laughs> presentations competitively. And that's how I learned. Presentations, like, like PowerPoint presentations competitively? Literally. Literally. Literally yeah. PowerPoint present Competitive PowerPointing. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that right. was a thing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like cooking competitions, and then Gordon Ramsay kind of made it a thing, right? So it's like a, the same thing, but in, in the context of PowerPoint presentations. And that's how I learned how to speak. And then I got older and I started coaching students on how to communicate, not because I was looking to be a coach or anything, because they didn't want to have anyone better. And I would, the alternative besides me was a rock. So they, just, <laughs> so they picked me. And, hey, and then I, someone had to do it, you know. There you go, man. And then I just started coaching them. And then I had the idea for the YouTube channel, Master Talk, because I realized everything I was sharing wasn't available free on the internet. So I started making videos. Didn't think it would amount to anything. I was on my mom's basement, in my mom's basement, making these videos. And now, you know, things have gone crazy ever since then. You know, when you help people, good things happen. Right. Well said. Then. So I, I, what happens at a PowerPoint competition? What's it like behind the scenes at a PowerPoint competition? I mean, are, are you guys friendly to each other? Or are you all like, do you know who each other are? And you have like rivalries? How does this work? Big, big time. I'm glad we went there. So, so yes, lots of drama. And by the way, let's start with the reason why he did this. Because I'm sure the, the question you're thinking about is like, why would Brendan put himself through this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would he go through this PowerPoint competition thing? And, well, I and assume the, you liked it. Not really. 
I, I loved okay. it, right? Actually, the goal was to get a job. So how these things work, Rashad, I'm trying to draw some analogy in culinary arts, so try and, try and bear with me as I make these weird analogies. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, you know, Gordon Ramsay, right? When he does Hell's Kitchen, he does it to figure out who his next head chef is, even if the real goal is publicity and media and all that stuff. The, the goal of the competition is the winner gets to be a head chef and, and get mentorship directly for him, right? Right. But in the context of case competitions, it's just not televised. It's just the difference is Amazon or IBM or a big company spend like 30, 50 grand to host one of these, these shing, shing dangles, whatever you want to call them. And, <laughs> the, and have, go these ahead. PowerPoint parties, these, well, Correct. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's, more, it's more alliteration to come. <laughs> at least you're trying, Rashad. That's what matters. At least you have some curiosity around. Most people just move on to tips and stuff. If you hurt yourself, is there a PowerPoint proxy that has to come in? And play? <laughs> <laughs> the, these are the questions. We've had one situation. I remember my, this was my last case comment before I quote unquote retired because you can only do this in school. And the guy had Crohn's disease. So, so he needed to go to the hospital. But he still was so committed to these competitions that he, he just endured the pain for two days. And gave, yeah, yeah it's, these people are committed. It's pretty wild what you're willing to do for these things. You know, when you're at the top level of PowerPointing, there's a lot of stress. There it's, is. You know. Honestly, dude, if, if <laughs> literally, dude, um, let, let's, let's, let's play that because I think it would, it would shock you. There's these competitions that have different formats. And one of the formats is a 24-hour case. So I kid you not, man. People from Singapore, uh, Australia, Germany, they travel to Montreal every year for the world's, one of the world's largest case competitions hosted in our city. And one of the final competition that decides the winner is the 24-hour case, where the case sponsor, let's say it's like Amazon or something, they deliver a, a, a case, which is a 20-page document, and you have 24 hours to crack it. But the winning team always never sleeps. Well, it's a 24-hour competition, right? There's right. no sleeping. So what, just, explain the case. What, what the case? So you're solving something, but also making a presentation of how you solved it? Is that how that works? You got it. You got it. So I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. Nailed you're nailed it. Yeah, this is easy yeah. for you. You've done these before. I could tell. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> Your guesses are accurate, man. <laughs> so, so think of it like this. Let's say Nike comes up to us, right? And they go, Rashawn, we, we want to create a new shoe. We don't know where to sell it first. Which country should we sell it in and why? That's just an example of a business case. So all of these teams of students range between the ages of like 17 and like 30, but usually 17 and 25. They come up with A, the solution to the problem. They look up data on the internet. They find financial statements. They make a PowerPoint deck. And then when all of it's done, at the end, when the time is up, they immediately get escorted to the judging panel who are generally executives who work at the company or faculty professors who then judge your solution, how enthusiastic you are, and decide the winner. And the winner usually gets a job. I mean, that's pretty cool. So did you get any jobs? I did. Everyone who does case, even if you don't win the competitions, because so few people do it. Like I think in my business faculty, there were 7,800 students, but only 78 people in the program. So it's like literally 1% of the faculty. So we would get 80% of all the jobs. So most of my friends got like four or five job offers out of uni. I got like three, something like that. So what I'm hearing here is that if you are really good at making PowerPoints, 
Do, and do you have to be, a, you could be at any college. Could you, could you be in any college and still like apply to like be in one of these competitions if your school doesn't like provide a team? Dude, that is a question no one has asked me on the show. So I love it. I love the curiosity. So the answer is actually no. So you would have to go to a specific school to that actually do bullshit. chase competition. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I, I, I was trying. I was. I was hoping there was just this loophole through college, right there. It was just like, hey, if you, you know, no. What? What if they had? What if we? What if you started your own, like the NFL, right? But just an independent, like PowerPoint case study, like franchise of teams, you know. And so you could have, you know, low income you know, kids, you could, you could branch out to like, you know, high schools, you know, to get, get them interested early. And that's how you'd start your teams and teach them these things and then have their own competitions, national competitions. Cause fuck Amazon, fuck IBM and fuck, fuck all those people. Right. <clears throat> because, and, and all the collegiate schools, like why should only a few people get to participate in this kind of thing? That's you know right. I mean? and maybe you're the guy that you're the guy to make it happen for all. Well, no, guys. I think you're the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just planting the seed for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very good thought, man. I, I think that what I would say is the corporations are actually very necessary to the process because you need money to get things done. And right. that's why these things are self-sustaining because they front the check. And, that, and the students actually organize these things. And it's a whole thing. Like one of the, one of the competitions has 800 participants just within our, the, our community. So hold on. Let me get this straight. So already the students are organizing these things. Correct. Are they reaching out to the companies for sponsorship at that point? Or are the companies already providing ship and they're picking up the grants or what have you? Absolutely. So, so the students definitely do. So we have a, a role. That's how I actually became a coach because I was one of the executives who was running the program after I competed. Because I wanted to help the next generation. But yes, people do reach out for sponsorship. But at this point in the game, it's very mature. Because remember, think of it like this, Rashawn. It's kind of an ecosystem. So what happens is all of these people get placed in the best company. So they become VPs very quickly in their, in their organizations. Because they're, mm -hmm. they're like 10 times better than the average graduate from business school. So then they become leaders in the company. So not only do they become coaches, they become the liaison to get sponsorship dollars as well. So it becomes this, um, this, uh, this loop, right? The self-fulfilling loop that kind of just uh, accentuates. Because then those executives come back looking for the same people where they came from. Da, 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 da. Correct. And that's, that's cool. and it was that network that actually helped me build my business in the early days. So obviously I'm not the oldest tool in the shed that's been on your show. So I, so, I need people to trust me. Back to this other thing. So there is no, like, is there a high school equivalent of, of any kind? There is. It's just not well known. I've never done it, it's, but it's called DECA. So DECA is like the high school equivalent to this, but okay. it's not, it's, it's good, but it's not as, it, it's a good, prestigious is the right word. Yeah. All right. We can work on that. <laughs> Let's build up that. And, you know, that'd be great to have something like that in like every school because that that seems like an actual useful tool that you know because I don't know I don't feel like school teaches you much real world things and that's that's a real world tool that like anybody can learn and do I guess we could just go watch a YouTube page and 
that that's why I went the media route, Rashawn. By the way, I love once again. I just love your curiosity. I'm shocked at how curious you are. <laughs> by the way, just in, in general, but the which is cool. But I just think following there's following the rabbit, sir. I love that. It's great. So so that's why I went the route for media because media is also profitable for me because because I I can't keep building something and not make money or else I can't. I can't keep doing it sustainably. So media just became super easy for me because you can just share videos with like 100,000 schools and that's how you scale. And then you can just turn into coaching and then have more money and then reinvest it again. So you go to schools and talk? Do you get paid for speaking engagements? Yeah. Sometimes. I tried that in the early days. It didn't work that well because they're super close-minded, a lot of them. So what ended up (laughs) working in the end was just executives who got a lot of money. They just hired me to coach them one-on-one. Yeah. So they're like, oh man, I would, I should have done that in college, but I didn't. You know what I'll do? Call Brendan. <laughs> Brendan knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll show me the ways. There you go. Yeah. And then I use the money and I make better YouTube videos for the world. Hey, thanks, buddy. So um, during these these events um, back in college, right? Uh, let's just, let's just go here. What what's your what do you what's your favorite food? What do you what do you eat on a, <laughs> on a regular? Uh, honestly, eighty percent of my diet because I'm super fortunate in life. It's probably the, one of the greatest gifts that I've I've gotten is my mother's cooking because I live with my mom, right? So she yeah. always cooks for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll live with her until my. Th- By the way, let me let me set the context here because because I know you're gonna jump in. South Asians li- have a very different culture than most of the world. I was that, I right. Was, yeah. Because in Indian culture, it's, it's very much, I take care of you and then you take care of me. So my mom doesn't work. That's the model. And what I mean work, I mean like, an actual, like a job that pays money. So she's a stay-at-home mom. I pay all of the bills in the family. But in exchange, she optimizes my life. Right? So that's the deal that we have, and we're all both happy with it. And, and, but that's how <laughs> Indians work in general. We, don't, we never move out mm-hmm. until we're married. But even when we married, our, we're married, our mother usually follows with us because she helps mm-hmm. us take care of the children. So my wife isn't like, like just doing this on her own. Not that I'm married or anything, I, but for I feel like time. Indians might have been the true inventor of the mother-in-law suite. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong about that? <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> But that, it, yeah, I'm, it's, yeah. So it works out. And oh, yeah. I mean, I tried to live with my mother again. Oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, like when I, I transferred colleges. Right. And I made it like, I don't know, three days. <laughs> and I love my mom. My mom is super cool. She's been on the podcast. She's an old hippie. You know, she smokes weed. She's, she's an herbalist. She's a, she's a Wiccan. She's a, she's a, child development person she's also like a, a death doula so what's, what's the last one what's a death doula a, a death doula death. so they're the people who try to help older people and the families come to terms with the end and get their shit in order wow you know how most people just wait till you know they're dying to be like oh sh- I don't know what I'm doing with all this stuff. Oh my God, what is the plan? What is going to happen to me? Right. So, a death doula and there's doctors that do this too um, will start getting the elderly prepared and the family prepared for, you know, when the end comes. Oh, wow. That's, you got some mother. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, she started doing that later in life. Like when she, you know, she, she her, uh, her 70th birthday. Uh, it's October. 
So I think that and she takes care of old people too, so older than her, but also at the same time, I think it just merged. Like I need to come to accept my own, right? But also help these older people as they deal with it might help me, you know, navigate my own personal departure. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. I <laughs> if love you. That. Will. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing then has your mom taught you to cook or does she is she making all the foods? No, you no, no. I'm, I'm garbage at cooking. I'll never cook in my life. I'll never do it. And and the reason is super <laughs> and feel free to convince me otherwise. <laughs> I'm gonna but, try. Uh, you feel free. It's tough, man. A lot of people have and they've all failed. <laughs> Literally, just actually it's a I like a challenge. Side note. Yeah, yeah it's, this is a tough one. I'm the toughest nut to crack, bro. You know, it's funny because I was on a family vacation recently and my, my cousins were freaking out because I, I was cooking. But let me be very clear about what I mean by cooking. I was cracking a few eggs. They were going crazy because they know I don't. I literally do. I, but I pay for everything. I'll pay for all the groceries. Uh, like I won't, I won't say. Right. So there's like a there's like a balance. So so yes, uh, she she would. she. But to be honest, in South Asian culture. She wouldn't want me to, even if I asked her, she'd, it's just a mom thing. They don't want, they don't want their son to cook. They want to do it because it, it, it gives them a sense of purpose. Even if they know after they're gone, I won't be able to cook what they cook. It's, it's that, even if my mom is the That's nicest where mom, I break. That's where I'm like, but, but, but she taught my know. sister. So, so there you go. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's yeah. in the family somewhere. But, but you're right, by the way. I, I'm on your side here because, because when I was younger, how are you supposed to get married out of the house if you can't, like, you know, make a girl a nice meal? Well, I mean, I would, I, would, I would disagree with that point, and I'll, I'll tell you why. But I think <laughs> the point is, but your other point that I do agree with is, like, wasting the rep- recipe. It's like, oh, my God, like, we kind of passed this down. But it's, it's, a, it's an ego thing for my mom. I'll call it out for what it is. She, it, wants, she it, wants to be the cook. It's fun. I find the same in, like, in like Spanish cultures in yes. Mexico, too. Like, I'll, I'll talk to... The guys and I'm like, do you know how to make tortillas? And they're all like, no, I don't know how to yeah. make tortillas. And I'm like, no, what do you mean you don't know how to make? Your grandma didn't show you how to make. Your mom didn't show you how to make tortillas. No one showed you how to make the damn they tortillas. Refuse. Yeah. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I want to know how to make the tortillas, and I keep asking people how to make the tortillas. But I guess I actually just need to call grandma. You do, and I respect no. that because that's what you're passionate about. Like for me, I'll probably end up marrying someone. Like I already know. Because I haven't started dating yet, but I know in the future I'll, I'll probably marry someone who's Hispanic. I'll probably marry someone who's either Italian, Hispanic, or within my own ethnicity because it just fits. Because that's the rule that they want, right? They want to do that. Whereas me, it's more like I'll just pay for everything and I'll take care of your emotional health and I'll sit down, I'll listen to all your problems and make you feel really good because I'm great at communication. But I'm not going to cook. That's not going to happen. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But I checked out there. You haven't started dating yet. No, I haven't. Like ever? You, you... I've tried a few times, but I've never really focused my life on. I mean, it, th- think about it. You you can't get. I, I I at least don't think so. Isn't it weird that you're talking to me and I have like seven years of coaching experience, but I'm like a 26 year old kid? Like, how does that even make sense, right? And well, I'm just <clears throat> obsessed with business. <laughs> Touche. All right. Um. Anyone running a speed dating thing, I need you to call Brendan. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I've, talk, I've talked to the people who coach me and my friends, and I said, look, guys, I, I, think, I think there's like three areas of life, three main ones, health, money, and relationships. And based on my experience, 
out of all three, I believe health is the easiest one to optimize. Not to be condescending to people who are struggling with those areas, right? Just want to make sure that's yeah, clear. something you can do for yourself. Right, yeah, because we all get, right? Because you can hire a personal trainer, you can eat avocados, you can eat less. Like it's, it's doable and it's not expensive. The second thing I believe is money becomes, is the second piece to, the next domino to fall. Because at the end of the day, even if money is not the easiest thing in the world to make, there's some principles that say consistent. Okay, like spend more, spend less than you make, apply some principles, figure it out. But the third piece, relationships, specifically romantic ones, I've always found very difficult to optimize for. And the reason is because you can't control what, how somebody else lives their life. You can't, nope. and you have to, and you don't know what people are going to do. So it's just challenging. So I'll just wait for the end. <laughs> well, here's the thing about relationships <clears throat> is that there's always going to be 30% of somebody that you don't agree with, right? Correct. <clears throat> and you just have to find the right 30% that you can put up with. <laughs> I totally agree, man. It's, so true. it's not <clears throat> really that hard. And the other thing is to find somebody that you genuinely see as a good, compassionate person. You know, they just have this this light. They're not drama filled. They're not, you know, they're not petty. They, I mean, they're still girls, right? <laughs> but they're, you know, they're they're good people, right? And uh, the hardest part about relationships is just finding good people that you match with, or are compatible with, or that you just have fun with. Right. And the first key is just be friends. Right. And you need to find someone that you're friends with, that you talk to, you have fun with, you know, so get a, get a girlfriend. <laughs> you should change the topic of your show from uh, the culinary arts to romance. I think you get a lot of downloads. That's whatever else I feel like talking about. <laughs> I, you got this though. I have faith in you. Maybe, oh, thank maybe, you, man. You know, it, it's, it's a give and take just like business. Right. Um, you have to make a good deal, right? And at the end of the day, the first part of a relationship is just lovey-dovey fucking, you know, honeymoon phase and just everything's wonderful and roses. Running, running in the rose garden. I mean, maybe not the rose because there's thorns, but like uh, tulips or something. <laughs> and then after years, you know, or even a few months or whatever, you realize that, oh, you know, they're not as perfect as I thought they were. Mm. But am I okay with those things? And, you know, and you have to balance the pros and the cons. And is that the 30% that I can put up with? Right. And then once you decide that, and the other person's also decided that, eventually you start making, like, a deal, right? Like, marriage is a deal. Like, being in a long-term relationship, you make the deal, right? Like, you have a deal with your mother, right? Like, that's, that's the deal. So me and my wife have a deal, which is I do the cooking, she does the cleaning, Right, I mow the grass. Right, like she, she even takes out the garbage ninety percent of the time, just because she's like, take out the trash, and I don't do it fast enough, so she'll just do it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just a, it's just a balance. As long as you can balance the two existences together and make the deal, then uh, it's just like business. So get out there and make some deals, bud. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> nice. Um, so what, what, what's some of your favorite things that your mom, uh, whips up around the house? So many things, but I would say the main three would be definitely rice and curry classic, right? Pork curry, chicken curry doll. So good. Amazing. We made curry oh. last night, actually. Oh, really? what kind? What did you have? Uh, just yellow curry. 
a uh, little Americanized slash Thai because we put green beans in it, which I hear is like a no-no because you guys don't have green beans. You have like long beans. Ah, okay. Or like some That's other Thai cuisine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, Thai has full put green beans, but Indians don't, you guys don't have. No, green, green beans, beans are illegal. No, no, no. They're we do. Uh, are illegal? I've never, I've never <laughs> seen a green bean. <laughs> I've never seen a green bean in any of the dishes my, my, my moms and aunties. Yeah, so my buddy was like, you don't put green beans in curry. And I was like, but I swear I've seen like beans in curry before. I think it's in Thai curry a lot. It is in Thai curry. Because I eat so a lot we, of Thai food. So but. we came to that conclusion. So it was a, it was a, it was a fusion curry of, of Indian and Thai, I suppose. Because I want green beans in it. <laughs> I love the ingenuity, man. <clears throat> It was good. Like my buddy, uh, I didn't make it. Uh, my friend uh, Josh did, but he got all the all the different seasonings and just made his own curry powder. He didn't he didn't like buy like the pre blended curry powder. He got all the turmeric and the whatever the hell else goes in that shit. <laughs> so many uh, things. So oh, many yeah. things. Literally, I think you'll find it fascinating given the sh- the show. What my families do, and by families I mean with an S. So what all of our families do is every year we go to a mill and we make custom chili powder, like curry powder, excuse me. So it's like we all pick the spices. Well, not me. I don't, I don't, obviously, as you could probably guess, I'm not, I have nothing to do with this. I just pay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but You're just along to provide the ride. Yeah, just, uh, just, yeah, exactly. But basically what, what, my, what my families do is they come up with the right ingredients and then they custom make their own powder. So we never buy powder at a marketplace it's like a, a dishonor to the family you can't do that you got to make your own custom and that's how you yeah, get it's the, the family recipe right it's the family yeah, it's curry the, that yeah. has a very specific percentage of each thing yeah and then we split it between all the family members that's that's very nice yeah no one has to buy curry powder and no one else can ever have literally into one of the family's houses if you want to have the uh I'm not going to try again. <laughs> your family, your family. <laughs> right, the Kumar Sami curry. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> so, uh, what's next? What What have you What have you garnered, or what you have a, like a, a a crowning proud moment of like maybe one of someone you coached that's like really come a long way? Yeah, for sure, Rashawn. I would say the big thing, you know. You know, coaching business is cool. I get to help a lot of people. But I would say the, the biggest thing is, is really even, evening out the playing field. You know, like let's say in the context of cooking, what I love today with YouTube and TikTok and all these new tools of distributing content is, you know, the best recipes in the world aren't really a secret anymore. Some of them still are that are still like in the hidden gems. But, you know, if you want to learn how to make something... You could just go on YouTube and figure it out if you if you care enough for if you have that ingenuity, that creativity, that passion like you do. Yeah, it's all right. But I think what sucks with communication is there isn't really that resource, right? Not not to be offensive, but you know, there's a lot of old white dudes out there who kind of share communication information, and they're not super exciting. They're kind of like, yeah, like do this, and I'm like, geez, like what are we supposed to do? So I, that's the thing I'm the most excited about. You bring the energy. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't have all the answers. I'm not, I'm not going to come on this podcast and say, yeah, Brendan's the best in the world. I'm trying to be. I've, I've had some success. But I think it's that journey 
and bringing that enthusiasm. You know, Lewis says it so well. Lewis Howes, he's a podcaster. He says, the world will always make room for passionate people. And I try and embody that quote all the time. That's a good quote. Yeah. I always live by uh, Woody Allen's uh, 90% uh, success is showing up. But I added, I'm always early because I'm a, I'm a punctual freak. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't offend you too much for showing up 30 seconds later. <laughs> I was, my dog had actually uh, jumped into my lap and I was sitting there and it was, it was, it was 102. And I was like, you got three more minutes. <laughs> and then like right as I said it, you clicked on. <laughs> See, I even got the timing wrong. I was actually two minutes late, not 30 minutes. Good thing I passed that. I've gone to job interviews before, like back in the day where like I would go to the interview and the interview is at this time, right? And so I, I look at interviews like you're interviewing me, but I'm also interviewing you. Like, do I want to work for you? And I, a lot of employers forget that they are also to be interviewed. You know, like your establishment needs to show positive, positive traits for employees or else no one's going to want to work there. So, you know, if you can't show me that this is a place worth working at, then I'm not going to work there. And if I can't prove to you that I'm worth working here, then I shouldn't be working here either. So uh, I waited like five minutes. The guy said, I'll be right down. He came down. He walked around the building. He waved at me. He walks around. The he starts talking to people. 15 minutes passes. He doesn't, he still hasn't walked over. And we're, it's now like 20 minutes past the time that I'm supposed to be having this interview. And so I call him and he answers his phone and I start walking towards him. And I just like, yeah, uh, thanks for the opportunity, but you failed my interview. I got to go. <laughs> and he just looks at me and he's so confused. Right. And I just left. I'm like, no, nah, dude, that's not how you, that's not how you do this. I love you that. Have to, you need to respect everyone's time. And if you don't respect my time, I'm, you're obviously not worth working for because you have no concept of respect for what's happening around you. Respect, man. <clears throat> right. So, you know, you have, you, have to keep, you have to look out for number one sometimes, too, when you're out there in the world. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> so what's one key point or like your very basic principle of becoming a better communicator? Yeah, man, I would say that the big one is just a question. And the question is simply this. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? You know, a lot of us, when we think of comms, we think of the negativity, we think about the stress, we think about the anxiety, or if we're trying to cook, right? Like uh, and ever since uh, Tim Ferriss' four-hour chef, now you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is easy. But when you, when you get started, you're like, shit, like I got to buy all the pots and the pans and I got to get all this together. Instead of focusing on the dream. Because a lot of us dream about the vacations we want to go on, the time we want to spend with our family, the expensive things we want to buy. But a lot of us don't really dream about our communication skills. So that's the first step, is really to think about it from the lens of positivity and excitement, not stress and nerves. Yeah, that is when you're a kid, right? And you have to stand up in front of the class and read for the first time, and everyone's voice is a little jittery. Like, you know, it's just, you know what I mean? Just that, that nervous voice that people get, like one of those first times they have to like public speak. And I've, I mean, I was in theater. I've never really had a problem public speaking. In fact, I think I was like the adrenaline of it. Like the nervousness was like cool. It's like, oh, I'm going to go in front of the audience and talk, right? And that in itself is a level of anxiety, but it's just, it's breaking the anxiety and doing it that is so gratifying. 
Right. And, and the reason, by the way, to jump in on that, Rashawn, the reason why you didn't feel that the same level of stress is because your frame of reference is different. So somebody in theater, it's consistent with actually almost everyone who does theater. They don't see it as, they don't see communication as a chore, like doing the dishes. They see it like an, a way to deliver a performance, a way to help people, a way to deliver a show and, and to create an experience for people. Whereas most of society doesn't see communication that way. We see it like, a, oh my God, I have to do this presentation at school and then at work. And then if I don't do a good job, I'll get fired and I won't do well in school. So it's fear-based. I mean, it's, it's the outside influences that scare us. The, the consequences even of the experience. I, my friends, they'll make fun of me if I mess up, you know, like, yeah. Exactly. It's punishment. Of course. Based. Kids are cruel, man. <laughs> not canadian I, kids but maybe american kids yeah american kids i mean canadian salt beers <laughs> i think kids are better nowadays i don't think i think i don't know i mean i, I don't have kids and i'm not currently in high school or middle school but as far as i can tell the kids that are my nephews my nieces their friends like my friends kids children seem to be <laughs> anti-bullying for the most part mm. You know, just just generally better, smarter people than they were like in the eighties, <laughs> and like I would have been in school. I, I, maybe it's the internet. You know, I, th- I think it's maybe just more information out there that's available for people. Where like, if you want to look something up, you want to get better, you can actually push yourself outside of the education system. And you don't Probably. just live in the bubble of your family anymore yeah. you know like you used to just be trapped in the bubble so whatever your parents beliefs were, were your beliefs you know whatever that was 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 your reference of the world right and it pretty much got ingrained and stuck and today kids can just be like oh is my dad right about that let me google it nope dad <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> looked it up motherfucker <laughs> So it just, yeah, knowledge, the ability to gain knowledge, the ability to have more perspective at a younger age, you know, at your fingertips, as long as your parents will let you touch the iPad. There you go. And, you know, for the most part, they're just handing it to you, like, please leave me alone. Maybe not the first kid. By the second or the third, they're just like, here's a big screen TV. See you later. <laughs> never, not, never not the first time, but definitely the second, third time that you give up eventually. Right. Uh, would you like to give any shout outs to, uh, you know, just your links, where we follow you, your Instagram handles, your blah, 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 blah. Yeah. First of all, it was so great to be here, man. Super fun. I always love these casual conversations. It was great. So I, try, I, would say, I, I try to lean into my communication skills. Yeah, man. No, you're definitely the person who's asked <laughs> me the most about the underworld, uh, the underworld, the workings of case competition. So, so I'm glad. I'm super curious. I, yeah, I, I want them everywhere. I want, I want, I want more of that <laughs> for children. So, if yeah. anyone's out there listening to this and you, you're into starting a, a, a nonprofit for case studies for underprivileged children, I think you should definitely go do that. Absolutely, I, I just that. planted the seed. I don't have the time to do it, but I'm planting the seed. I'm like Elon Musk in, in like in like in like hyperloops. Just <laughs> <take> <laughs> the idea. Someone else go do it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> exactly, right? I, I think that's, that's, that's such a great point because so many of us, we focus on, oh, is this person going to steal my idea? There's so many great ideas out there. What's missing is execution. And, and just executing what I'm doing, executing what you're doing is already taking a lot of work. We barely have time for multiple ideas. 
that's really the key. Yeah, it's true. Truer words have not been spoken, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I guess the two things. The first one is YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to all the, the tips on communication. Second one is I do a free training every three weeks. It's on Zoom. It's fun. It's on communication. And that's rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a really fun chat. And uh, I do hope you find love in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, man. I do too. I, I think I'll figure out the health of the money, but this last one, we'll, we'll see. We'll hope for the best. If I, if I randomly start sending you uh, Tinder Girls from Montreal, don't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> anyway th thanks for hanging out buddy really appreciate you being here and keep up the good work and uh yeah get the world chatting huh yeah for sure man thanks so much man awesome cheers buddy have a great one yep. yeah you too uh go watch my tv show cheers <laughs> <laughs>